Well, get your Bibles out and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Don't preach from this much, but we're going to tonight. Amen. And um, I picked up a book. Actually, I didn't pick this one up. I'm going to tell you where I got this one. Cindy, Lois, and Ray gave me this one by Rick Renner, Last Day's Survival Guide. Rick has been doing, he's one of the few people that's even covering the last days and, and what the Bible says about it. Now, I was just talking to Kirsten a while ago. Rick, you better have a lot of time on your hands if you're going to read him. Because he takes one word, take about a half an hour to explain what it means. But at least when you get done, you know what, it, you know what he thinks about that. Amen. But there's one thing that I have noticed is that a lot of Christians right now, and, and I think I might be a little bit guilty of this, I really don't want things to change until after I'm gone. How many of y'all understand that, th that thinking? I like things the way they are to where I know what's happening and I know there's food in the grocery store and then... And I want y'all, when after I die, I want y'all to tell me what happened in the earth. That's, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. Uh, not, not, not the last October, but October a year ago, the Lord said to me, y'all know that October is the, fir, the, uh, is the new year for the Jews. And so God's always talked to me about the new year in October, not January. But he said to me, everything will change now. Well, I didn't really understand that. But when he said everything will change, I mean everything changed right. It right then. And it's still changing. And I don't think the church yet has really comprehended what's happening because I'm hearing words. Now listen to what I'm hearing. When this is over... It's not going to be over. I, I get messages from people, well, when COVID is done, we'll be back. I, I say this to you in love, we'll never see you again. Not until heaven. And I don't think the church is really sitting around and planning. People don't plan well. They just kind of, they plan a week out or maybe two. And I know people who, when they're, the day of their vacation, they pack. I don't know, y'all, you know, Sandy's, I heard her laughing. At, I don't think she's laughing at Melanie, but, um, and Lisa makes fun of me because if I'm going hunting, I start getting ready a month early. Well, I have to. I mean, I don't want to get up there and find out, she, I left my gun at home, you know, that kind of thing. And you leave stuff at home, it's a long ways to go find another one or to buy one. So you really want to... I, I like being ahead, and I think flying airplanes helped me because you're not allowed mistakes. You don't get up there and go, oh, did we get fuel? <laughs> and so I kind of learned that if you don't screw up, bad things don't happen. Right. You, and you gotta, so I started learning to make plans and, and, and dot them and what, what do I need and what's coming and and I'm watching the church today, and the church is really not ready for what's... It's, it's almost like they're oblivious to what's going on right now. And I know people, and I'm a little shocked, 
they have no idea that anything ever happened in Georgia and Pennsylvania. They're clueless. And they're like, uh, Biden's our president, right? And I'm going, uh, no, I don't think so. No. And, and so, and I'm talking about they go to this church. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, if they don't know that, you think they're ready for what's coming? They're not. So, so when Rick Renner wrote this book, and he, and he did a good job, and this is the name of it, Last Day's Survival Guide. I, I want you to plan, and I'm, not, and I'm not talking about storing food. I actually have food stored up because of hurricanes and stuff that there's times they just, you go to the store and they just didn't have it, and I, and I want it. So when I, when I buy stuff like oatmeal, I'll buy two packs. Lisa buys one, I buy two. Because I'm, I, I just don't want to run out. I don't want to, we got any oatmeal? Nah, I, I, I don't want to leave and go get it. I want to I be in my second one when I buy the next one. Does that make sense? I, I hate leaving in the morning and run to the store because there's no food. I just can't stand it. So, so I'm watching Christians, and, and I'm wondering, are you, are you even sitting back and paying attention to what God said about what's going on in the earth and how to actually, we can be victorious if we will plan and be ready. And y'all agree with that, and that's kind of where I'm going. God did not give us the Bible to scare us, but to prepare us. And for you to think that your faith is going to stop trouble from coming, you are a deceived person. Your, your faith does not stop trouble from coming. It'll shield you from it. It'll keep it from affecting you, but you're not stopping it. Sometimes, and I've actually used, prayed hurricanes away, and I've had times I've prayed and nothing happened. And I've just had to learn, you know, they don't all, I, I, he doesn't always give me a rhema for every storm. Paul went through a storm and Jesus stopped one. And so you understand there's times to stop them and there's times to buckle down. And I, think, and I think being prepared is, is wise, okay? So in 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to read this. It says, know this, in, in the last days, perilous times will come. That, that means they're coming. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Does this sound like Washington to you? I always wondered how you could get a job, make $100,000 a year, and be a millionaire in 12 months. Okay, Boast, <laughs> boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such turn away. Now, now that, that's quite an extensive list, and I think that we have read that for years, and I knew that we weren't there. Now, i got to tell you another story right now about the Holy Ghost and, and talking to me. When I first got born again, it's uh, been, what, 45 years ago, uh, a, friend, a lady that, that I knew um, that introduced me to Kenneth Hagin, actually, uh, she looked at me one day, she says, you know, Jesus could be back any day. And something inside of me went, nah, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to take the army out while they're sinners here. He paid too high a price to be worried about you dying and by the way, there's a lot of people died for their faith. 
So for you to think you're exempt, I'm not quite sure. So, but anyway, when, I said, when, when she said that, I kind of knew she was wrong. So I asked the Lord, I said, when are you coming back? I mean, I mean are we really going to know? And he said, well, yeah, you will. You may not know the day or the hour, but you'll know the season. And he said this to me, real strong in my spirit. He said, my church will be praying, come, Lord Jesus. He said, it will be that difficult. And when he said that to me, I knew I would be alive. And it was just one of those those knowings like, Shandai. Now, for years, even though I knew that, I never anticipated what we're watching. Because I grew up in a home where, I, I mean, honestly, when I was a boy, I don't remember mom ever locking the door or even having a key. I got home, school went in, went out. We, we didn't lock cars. We left our keys in it. Nobody ever bothered anything. For us to be living, I, I lock my truck in my driveway right now. Because I, I've, you know, it's just not smart to go anywhere Till I hear that beep, beep, and I want to know that thing is locked. And so it's just the day we're living in, and, and things have changed. And I didn't really think we would see, and I'm going to use a word right here, and I'm not trying to sound critical. I never thought I'd see the level of absolute stupidity in a human being as I'm watching. I, I'm, I'm hearing the most stupid people talk, I mean, things, and I'm like, you really are not serious. And I just have gotten to where now I just totally ignore and just go about my business because I've already realized that you really can't fix stupid. People have, have chosen to be dumb. And, and the people you can, uh, I'm going to help them. Uh, by the way, I went to the doctor this morning and my, um, my, the lady that's there, she's not the doctor, she's a, she said she's an atheist. I had a really good talk with her this morning. And um, God opened up a door, and I told her that God doesn't believe in atheists. <laughs> and so much fun. And she uh, looked at me, she says, well, I don't like talking to Christians, they always get mad at me. I said, why don't you talk to me, because I won't get mad at you. I respect your right to be ignorant. I said, I will help you. I could actually help you. And she really listened for a few minutes, and then went, I'm working. I said, yeah, I thought you'd cut this conversation off, and I left, you know, but, but I, I love sitting down and getting into, into people who really, really ha- want, they care. If people don't care. I'm like, uh, you're not, you're not going to change. One of the worst ones was I got on the airplane not too long ago, and the lady looked at me, and she said, Mr. Morgan, you don't put the mask on, we're throwing you off the plane. And then she handed me a water and a cookie, and I took the mask off, and I went, And, and I said, I'm going to milk this bottle of water out for an hour, sweetheart. I'm going to milk this out. And I did. I just. And I thought, you can't get any dumber than that, darling. You can't get any dumber than this. So, so anyway, I'm reading this in Rick Renner. And I'm, and, but I want, I want this church to, I want the people in this church to, to count it all joy all the way through this mess. And there's nothing greater than for you to be victorious even in a bad day. Amen. So having said that, I'm, I'm going to, I want to read, it says, it says, but know this in the last days. And, and so Rick Renner has this issue with words. And um, like I was telling Kieran a while ago, 
the, the problem that we have with our Bibles is our Bibles were, were written in English, and, and you cannot take an English word and translate it, or a Greek word, and translate it always into one English word. Not able to do it. And because of that, someone came up with the Amplified Bible to, for, so let me give you an example. You're up in the, you're up in the North Pole, and you look at a guy, I mean, a, and you're talking to a, an Eskimo about a car, and he goes, and you go, uh, kind of dog sled, snowmobile, sort of covered. How do you describe a car to someone who doesn't have that word in their language? And the closest thing they've got is a snowmobile or a dog sled. So the Greek language to English has that problem. There's a lot of words. The Greek is a very sophisticated language. And there's a lot of words in here that don't translate over right. They, don't, they do not have the impact it should have. So we read it and go, all right, well, I'm going to do that tonight. Rick does a masterful job, and I'm going to do a little bit of that tonight and give you an impact of exactly what some words mean and what God meant by that. So it starts off by saying, you emphatically and categorically need to know with unquestionable certainty that in the very end of days when time has sailed to its last port and no more time remains for the journey, the last season will stand in the midst of uncontrollable, menacing times that will be emotionally difficult for people to bear. That's literally what I just read. Now, we're going to go into that a little deeper. So, so having said that, um, let's start off. It says, it says, but know this, the literal, and I'm, and I'm reading from Rick right now. The word know this means it's something you definitely, emphatically, absolutely must recognize and know. You must know this. That's what that word must is one of those don't, don't by any stretch miss what I'm fixing to say under any circumstances. Now that's, that changes the scripture. So Paul is going, in these days that you're going to be living in, you pay very, very close attention to what I'm fixing to say to you. You're going to need to know this. So the next thing that he says, um, he says, uh, with an absolute certainty, you must know this. And he said, in the last days, and the word there last is not like uh, we would call, in the book of Acts, it says that we're in the last days. But this word last means the last minute of the last day of the year. Not, not just the last day, but I mean the last days here and now the sun's going down. So it's last of the last of the last. Now that also lets us know where we are in time. How many of y'all ever thought you would see a nation where a group of people, and I'm not going to say half because I don't believe it's half, where you have a good number of people who would literally overthrow a nation to create a new world order and one world government? Now, I'm not going to do it tonight, but I'm going to do it sometimes very soon, probably after Christmas. I want to sit down and go over you very um, a lot of, I want to give you a lot of information about what the new world order is. It's, these guys have been planning this 
for a while. This is not new. And it's not a small thing. There is an enormous group of people in the earth that are pushing to get rid of sovereignty of all nations. There is no U.S., there's no Mexico, there's no Europe. And they're not elected. They have chosen that they're the, they're the ones, uh, they're the elite. And this has been going on for a while. The, the pandemic was planned. Uh, the elections have been rigged for the last 15 years or more, if not more. There's a lot of corruption going on. And God, in our prayers, have stopped a lot of it. And if we continue to pray, we can change it. But if we get lax, then, it, then Satan will have his way. You're a restraining force, and you're going to need to restrain. You're going to have to go. We're not putting up with this. And you're going to have to do more praying than you're accustomed to. Okay? Because up until now, all you needed to pray about was, you know, whether to come to church or not and what you're having for breakfast. You know, you pretty much... You got a paycheck, you got a 401k, you got everything you need. Really, you don't even need God, but you want to make a show on Sunday morning. So, but things are changing rapidly now to where you actually really do need to get a hold of heaven. So, so having said that, we're, we're, in a, we're in the last days. I personally, this is my opinion, I personally believe we got nine years, and I'm going to tell you why, or 10 or 11, somewhere around there. Because Jesus died on the cross at, at uh, A.D., 29. Now, a lot of people don't know that, but, but he was born, was it AD? No, what, what's B? BC. BC, about three or four BC he was born. Now, I used to think AD meant after death. I didn't, I wasn't a Catholic, so I didn't know what that meant. And so, um, and I found out the, the, that that time zone around Jesus is, is, is off. And so 2029 is exactly 2,000 years from the time Jesus rose from the dead. Now, one thing the church has never understood, and, and, and the Holy Ghost told me this one day, I did not stop time at when Jesus was born. I stopped Old Testament time when he died on the cross. Now, most Christians, everything they talk about is, well, when Jesus was born, Jesus was born. Then 2,000 years. Well, well, the, uh, the new covenant began when Jesus, when he was on the cross, said it's finished. The old covenant ended. That's when it ended. So, so we've got to learn how God says time. So I think we got about to 2029. 20, now, minus seven years, I don't, I don't know. But I know that right now, where we're going, things are going to get hairy, and the devil is not going to let up until the rapture. If you think that what they're doing, Trump gets in office and they go, okay, uh, no, no. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know that I think we need to be ready. I think we need to be more ready than we are. Amen? So, so know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, let me, let me read that to you, <laughs> because that's a really cool word. The only place in the Bible that the word perilous is used other than this scripture, is referring to the madman of Gadara. Is that not interesting? Thank you all. You all are exciting. I just tell you, I can't stand it. All right. It says the word perilous in 2 Timothy 3, 3 to 1 is translated from the Greek word 
chalapos, a word used only one other time in the New Testament. It, it, is, it is a word, something filled with danger, risk, hurt, or something that is wounding. It is, a, it is the very word used in the literature to, to depict wild, vicious animals that are unpredictable, uncontrollable, and dangerous. It portrays a deadly menace or anything that has potential to be treacherous or harmful. The Greek word is also found to describe words or action that are emotionally difficult to bear. And that's what it means when he said that there was a madman who was, who was, uh, it, he was very dangerous. Now, now think about this as we talk, because that was an area of the world that when Justin and Lisa and I went to Israel, uh, we went out to eat with um, Hui and the other guy, and we ate at a Jewish restaurant right on top of the hill where Jesus cast the devil out of the man-man of Gadara. That was really cool. So uh, they fed a steak there. I didn't, you know, that's really nice for a Jew to buy you steak. Um, Instead of, you know, kosher stuff. But anyway, I didn't give me any pork, but they had steak. So, so when I was there and I got to thinking about that, that was an area everyone avoided. And, and just, like, just like this word is describing, the only person who didn't avoid it was Jesus. But everyone else refused to travel down the road. There was two of the guys because these guys would come out and try to harm them or kill them or maim them. And so people avoided that area. And I think people are trying to just avoid what's going on instead of facing it. And, and like the, the lady that I was talking to this morning, my doctor, most people are not willing to face nuts. They need to get saved. It's a lot of people on this planet that need Jesus, and they're starting to act just a little. It's not hard to find a sinner now. I mean, it's real easy to go, that's a light, and that one's not. So um, when people said, how dare, you, how dare you say I'm going to hell? Well, it's obvious. Um, it, you, don't, you don't look like a Christian to me. So, so here is the, here's some things the Lord said. Some of them I wrote down today, and he said, I want you, I want you to write down what it is, what it's going to take for, for you to make it. Some of them you say, I know, but I want to go over anyway. So um, in Matthew, Isaiah 60, verse 1, turn over there. The very first thing that you're going to have to do if you want to make it in the days we're living in is an old song, you're going to have to let your light shine. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works. One of the things that... Americans are not accustomed to doing is being light. Now, let me help you with that so that I'm not talking about your face shining in the morning when you wake up. I'm not talking about you being nice to the people you work with. I'm talking about letting your light shine. Truth is light. Now, let me give you an example. This, this morning when I went to the doctor, and they made me go every six months, and I came out with a great report. She says, you're healthy. See you in six months. I said, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. But I still have to go every six months. Anyway, so one of the things that I have learned to do, I'm not afraid to talk to people because I care about them. Now, when you're afraid, you're afraid that you're going to look stupid. 
And that's why you don't talk to people. Well, they may ask me something I don't know. Well, after a while, you start finding out they don't know much either. And you probably know more than you think you know. So, so most of the time, if you just give people a lot of love and tell them what a little bit. I just told her this morning, I told this atheist girl, I just spent a couple of minutes and I talked to her about me meeting Jesus. Now, in that means that he's alive. Um, he talks to people. You can have a relationship. I didn't need to get doctrinally with this girl. I just needed to spend a few minutes and say, well, let me help you with something because I've met him and I can tell you for assurance he's alive. And he's changed my life and he'll change yours. And of course, I quoted a little bit of scripture to her, not much. But you know, just letting, just sitting there getting in a conversation with someone and get them to think. Now maybe they'll bite and ask you some questions. But you'll never know if you're not even, if you're afraid to even get in a conversation with anybody. And if all you ever do is just give your testimony. Before I learned any scripture, I told everybody my testimony and they said, well, how do I get saved? And I went, I don't know. Go to church. And I really didn't know. And a lot of what I learned today was because I kept witnessing and I didn't know how to answer anybody's questions. But I would at least tell them, you know, I just want to tell you what happened to me in November 16. I met Jesus, changed my life, man, hallelujah. And I'd give them a testimony. If that's all you can do, give it. But Jesus said, you're going to have to let your light shine. And there's one more thing we're going to have to start learning to do. There's a lot of goofy stuff going on in the world today. And I'm going to tell you right up, they're just flat out liars. And the church has got to get over being afraid to tell someone the truth because they won't like you. Now, you can tell people truth and love them. And be kind to them. I made a statement a couple of Sundays ago, and I think with a few people, it didn't go over real well. Because I've heard grandmamas making a statement. All I want to do is give my grandkids hugs. Well, your grandkids are not in church, not walking with God. Something tells me a hug won't fix that. That means you might want to take, give them a hug, and you might want to take them out and get them a hamburger, and you might want to sit down with them and converse with them a little bit about their walk with God. Well, that, well, I just want to be the grandmother that they know loves them. Well, if you don't share Jesus, you don't. You're not their friend. You're their mother. And so, so we, we have a society today that's trying everything in its power to skirt truth. You're not going to be able to do it. Now, here's one thing that I do, and I want you all to know this. There will be people walking those doors that will walk out because they don't want it. They want to live in la-la. They want to pretend everything's going to be all right no matter how they live, and they're wrong. I cannot in good conscience let them walk out without at least one sermon. You might want to take a little responsibility for your life. Tell them how to get born again, how to make Jesus Lord of their life. Uh, we had a young lady, uh, I don't know if it came with you guys, Sunday came up and got born again. People get saved in the church a lot. We just don't announce it. We, just, we, don't, we don't bring them up and parade them up and run. But that happens more than you know. But then there's people get up and, and, and I didn't run them off. I mean, Jesus ran Judas off, right? 
No, I think Judas ran Judas off. Isaiah 61. I think that this scripture is a right now church last day scripture. I do. I believe that. Arise and shine and your light has come and the glory of the is risen upon you. And behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, let me tell you, right now, people want answers. If you're a Christian and you know God, you're here for that reason. That's why you're on the planet. Now, let me make a statement to y'all. I am further from ministry than you are. This pulpit keeps me from ministry. And that may sound shocking to you. I'm not out there working a nine-to-five job like you are. But when I did, most of the people I work with came out and got born again. Most of the people I've worked with since the day I got born again, got, got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost because they worked on a job with me. And I will tell you, sometimes it took a year or two, and sometimes it was very hard on them until they got saved. One day, i got to tell you a story right now. It's, really, it's just funny. Because I've always been just a little bit bold. Just a little bit. So one day, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a pickup truck with two block masons. And um, we got to go to Melbourne and do a job. And we left Kissimmee about, you know, 7 or 8 in the morning. And both of them looked at me and said, Morgan, how does it feel to be sandwiched between two beer-drinking heathen? All the way to Melbourne. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I need to ask you. How do you feel having a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling preacher you're stuck in a cab with for two hours on the way to Melbourne? <laughs> and they went, oh, heck. And I preached Jesus to Melbourne and back. I ain't afraid to be between your beer drinking belly. I can tell you that right now. And so, you know, everything anybody says to me is about Jesus. Everything. If you say it's a wonderful day, hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. He, this is the day the Lord has made. Don't you agree? I mean, I can even turn cursing into a sermon. I had people come up and go, GD, and I go, last name's not, damn, it's almighty, hallelujah, and he's coming back. I mean, you can turn anything anybody says into a sermon if you would just look around real quick. I had a man to say to me one time, says, Morgan, I don't ever want to hear about Jesus again. I said, all right, let's make a deal. You never cuss again, and I'll never mention Jesus. He said, that's a deal. I think that lasted two minutes. I was just over there looking at my watch. And he let out a prof something profane, and he went, oh, heck, I can't do it. And I said, me neither. I said, glory to God, Jesus is Lord. He walked off cussing. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about people in the world. They actually do listen to you. I was working on Aaron Rents one day, and uh, we were, we were uh, I was the, the brick on the building. We, the, the company I worked for put all the brick on the building. We were up on a scaffold, and... Um, and we were laying brick, and one of the workers out there came riding by on a forklift. And, um, and, and, and we were up there talking about a move of God. This is Monday morning that we'd had in church Sunday night. 
And the guys I work with, they're all born again, spirit-filled Christians. And I was up there dancing around on the scaffold and, and shouting and hollering and praising the name of Jesus. And this guy comes by and looks at me and says, what are you on? <laughs> and I couldn't help it. I looked at him and I said, this is not what you suppose. This is not marijuana or cocaine. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I started preaching it and he went, I'm sorry I asked and drove off, you know. But you, you can use anything you want to. And you, you literally got to learn how to let your light shine and understand that's why you're here, guys. We're left on the planet for this time. Don't be thinking of how to get out of here, thinking about how to take someone with you. So right now, your and I focus has got to start being, we've got to start letting our light shine. We're going to have to start being light in a dark world because people are looking for someone who's actually smiling right now without the mask. I just, I, I'm just, you know, I said, I'm going to show you a scripture in a little while. Um, well, shoot. I might show it to you right now. Let's see where I'm going. Go, go to 2 Corinthians. I'll do it right now. I don't care. You know, you need scriptures to focus on during these days. Now, listen, I love this one. 417, 2 Corinthians 417, for our light affliction, Paul wrote this, which is for a moment. One of my favorite things to ask a sinner, what you going to be doing in 100 years? Most people don't ever ask that question. And they go, I'll be dead. I go, no, you won't. You'll be in heaven or hell, but you won't be dead. What are you going to be doing? And they're going, no. I said, well, you want to think about it. Yeah. And they walk away and go, oh. Now look at this. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. How important do you think these days are going to be to you in a hundred years from now? You can look back and go, I remember that church. I remember that time. Didn't we wear masks or something? Yeah, that seemed like a moment. I love this scripture. Is our light affliction. When Paul calls it light affliction. I ain't never had nobody beat me for the gospel yet. I've had them beat me out of some money, but I ain't never had nobody beat me yet. I had them beat me at poker one time before I got saved, but not very often because I was the best cheater in town. But anyway... But he calls it a light affliction. And I, and I want to think of this time as being a very short period in my history. And I don't get real upset about what's going on. Because I know soon, I'm not going to sing it. And very soon, we're going to see the king. I just, I think that's so cool that it won't be long we'll be seeing him. And I didn't think that y'all would enjoy that. Anyway, Zach's over there talking to his wife, not paying it a lick of attention. <laughs> So it's time for me to move to the next thing. Number two is you and I must learn to build a hedge around our family. Go to Job chapter one. You have no idea how important this is. Right now, don't neglect 
your prayer life. And, you know, I think the devil lies to people and lets, you know, says, well, it doesn't do any good. No, you can't stop stuff from happening, but you can sure build a hedge. And I want to show you this in the Bible. And I want you to see this. 110, Satan is talking to God and he says, have you, have you not made a hedge around him, Job, around his household and around all on every side? Have you not blessed the work of his hands and possessions have increased in the land? And, and, and Satan's accusing God. He's going, listen, there's a hedge around him. In other words, I am unable to get through. Very, very important what I'm saying right now. Take the time, if you have to, and force yourself into it to make a list of your family members and you start covering them in prayer. There, we've got family members who are not ready and they need mercy. And, and you're going to have to do some praying right now. And I mean praying over family. And I'll just share this with you and I hope Ashley doesn't mind it. But uh, our, my granddaughter Reagan the other day called, called me, called me and wanted to speak with me. I was unavailable. And so Ashley called Lisa and went over to see Lisa and got, I think she was born again before that, wasn't she, Lisa? Reagan. Did I say Ashley? Reagan was born again, but she, she just came to, she says, Nana, I, I got to get right with God. I mean, she had this massive encounter with God. She has since led, I think, six, seven of her friends to Jesus. I mean, she flat made a turn. Now, here's, now I'm going to tell you where it happened, and I'm not doing this. I'm not bragging on me. But on the way back from Tennessee, you know, you got 10 hours and nothing to do. Might as well do something. You can only listen to Mark Hankins so much. And then I listened to Shekinah Glory a little bit, and then I listened to, and I went, ah, okay. So I, I was coming down south of Valdosta, and I just started praying over the grandkids by name. And I remembered getting to Reagan, and I remembered very strategically the Holy Ghost jumping on with me and begin to pray over her to come out of that dart, come out of that. Now, what am I doing? I'm giving God the, the permission and right to begin to move in my granddaughter's life. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced that God would move more if we'd pray more. But we've got to start learning to pray. And I'm not talking about this praying where you're trying to get a hold of God. You get a hold of God the moment you open your mouth. He's already ready. He just needs you to talk. Now, I'm going to share a story here real quick. Because a lot of times we have this wrong idea that the length of prayer moves God. Or a hundred people move God. That's not true. So I think sometimes God just waiting on you just to ask him a simple question. One day I was working at Briarwood Apartments in Tulsa when I was going to Rama, And I had been at lunch. And when I came back from lunch, we had a leasing agent. The girls that ran the apartment were leasing agents. And they're just, they're just little girls. They're about 18 years, 19 years of age. And I was talking to her a little bit about Jesus. And I wasn't getting anywhere. And I remembered pulling in in my, in, my, in my truck, and I just, when I got out of the truck, I said, Lord, open up a door. Just open up a door and talk to this girl about Jesus. And when I stepped in, she said, you mentioned something this morning about God because I had had a problem with a faucet, and, it, and, I, and I, I broke it. I didn't know what I did to it. The night I went home, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge on what I did. So when I walked in the next morning, I went to that lady's apartment and I fixed it. 
And I walked in and I told us, oh, God, help me we'll fix that faucet. Praise the name of Jesus. So she, when I walked in after lunch, she says, tell me about God. Now, here, here's my prayer. God, open the door. You know, sometimes, and I'm, and I'm not telling you to be lazy in your praying. I'm just saying don't neglect anything. Just, I mean, if you want to just stop and go, oh, Father God, help them, bless them right now. Just open up doors for them. And I, just, I just plead the blood over them in the name of Jesus. When they pop up, just like a computer, when people pop up, I pray right then. I don't, I don't wait until I get on my knees and, then, you, know, it, you know, I got a time, I go in there. I do have a time, but I'll pray off and on all day for people, and especially my family and some of you. And, uh, and, I've, and I've seen some of y'all actually come back to Jesus. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But number two, number two is make sure you're building a hedge around your family. And in, and in Luke 22, and I got this written down, but I'm not going to go there. Do you remember when Peter uh, denied Jesus and Jesus said to him, Peter, I have prayed for you. So that when you're tempted and when you return. In other words, Jesus knew he needed to pray about what Peter would. Peter's fixing to do something real stupid. And he says, don't worry, I prayed for you. Satan's desired to have you. And there's times we're looking at family members and going, oh my God, the devil is whipping on them bad. And I mean, they're not obeying God. They're running from God. That's a call to prayer. You hit that thing in prayer. Don't, let the, don't sit there and talk about how bad they're being. Pray for them. You know, they know God. They can hear God. But most of the time, they're not doing their own praying. Someone needs to. Amen. Thank you. Number three, I want you to go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. Is this something Dr. Mary Frances Varallo said to us when she was here? And Justin brought it up the other day in a, um, in a I think on his Facebook or Instagram. Eyes on me. Eyes on me. And I don't remember, Justin, maybe she said that um, she had a vision. I'm not sure if she had a vision. I think she did. First Peter chapter 5, and I want to read this to you. 5.5. Five. Likewise, younger people, submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be submissive one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil's walking around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You need to resist him. Steadfast in your faith, knowing the same sufferings um, are experienced by your brothers in the world. But, but may the God of grace who called you to eternal glory and by Christ, after you have suffered, the word suffered there is, this, is the word resisted, after you've resisted, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Uh, right now, you're going to have to make that a life scripture. I don't get out of bed in the morning until I have said, I cast all my cares on God. There's nothing going to happen to me today that God doesn't know about it, and I've already given him everything that I don't know what to do and can't fix. And so, Father, before I get out of bed, I cast all of my cares over on you. You are God, and I'm not, and I refuse to worry about anything I hear on the news or anything I see or anything that comes across my path. I will not live my life in worry. Now, you're going to have to learn this because the things that are going to hit your eye gates now and your ear gates they may startle you. Wow. All right. I want to read another thing out of this book, if I might. I'm going to anyway. 
Uh, I think I got to find it first. Um, I think, I think, I think, I think. There's another scripture that he, um, 1 Thessalonians. Now, now this is in the Renner interpretive version. Brothers, listen carefully. I'm, I'm asking you in the strongest terms to hear what I'm about to say and do exactly what I'm asking you to do. The appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ is very near. The moment we have all longed and waited for almost upon us, and I'm talking about the moment when Jesus will finally gather us together to himself. Some things will be happening right before his coming that could shake you up a bit. I'm referring to events that will be so dramatic they would really leave your head spinning. Occurrences such as of a serious nature that will make many people feel alarmed, panicked, intimidated, and unnerved. Naturally speaking, these events could nearly put you over the brink emotionally and make you feel apprehensive and insecure about your life. I wished I could tell you these instances were going to be just a one-shot deal, but when they finally get rolling, they're going to keep coming and coming one right after another. Now, that was 2,000 years ago prophesying about the day we're living in. And I think that what he's saying, and I don't think the church is really ready right now for the fact that, you know, we're looking for uh, uh, the Supreme Court to do something. Bad people go to jail and everybody go back uh, to McDonald's <laughs> without a mask. I just don't think it's going to be that way. I think that, that the people that are intending to turn the world upside down have full intentions of overthrowing the government of the United States. I don't believe they'll do it. I believe that we will prevail, but not without a fight. There's going to be a fight. Now, physical, I would like to tell you no. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, anyhow. Um, I just quoted the other one I had, Eyes on Me. Um, I think it's very important for us to keep our eyes, and I also pray this prayer, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to go around doing stuff that I'm not called to do. There's a lot to be done, but I'm not called to do everything. I want to know what is it you're wanting me to preach, who do you want me to talk to, and where do you want me to go? Now, there's a big world out there, and it's all screwed up, and I'm only one guy, but I can do what my part is, but I can't do everybody else's. And I think it's very important for you not to live helter-skelter like, well, whatever, what do you want to do? I think you need to really get from with God and find out what you're supposed to be doing. If you don't hear his voice, you just do what's in your heart. Follow the peace that's in your heart, and that will be sufficient for now. And he's smart enough to talk to you. Amen? Now, one of the things I want you all to know... Um, I'm preaching on uh, the Incarnation Sunday because I think this church needs me to lighten up a little bit. I do. But, but you know, it's tough when I come in here and he goes, uh, I want you to preach on truth today. And I'm like, wow, thin in the church again, are we? So um, <laughs> people don't like to hear responsibility. They don't like it, and they would rather hear, and you can go down the street and hear a sermon where that's not putting responsibility on you all day long twice on Sunday, yeah. and why would they stay in here if, if I'm making them uncomfortable? But you know, for me, I, I've got to obey the promptings that he's given me, or I'll be miserable, and I'm not going to be miserable anymore. All right, so, and you also, okay.
All right. Um, the ministry of iniquity that the Bible calls is actually a mutiny against God. Go to Psalm 119, 105. The, the, when I, uh, his eyes on me, and I want to show you something right now that has to take place. And I think there's more people not reading their Bible than we would like to believe. You cannot be ignorant if you're in the Word. If you have a Bible you don't understand, get one you can. And, and read it even if you don't understand it. The Holy Ghost will jump on it with you. Now, I'm going to go back to myself right now for a minute. When I first got born again, honest to God, I picked up a Bible. And I went, where do I start? And I mean, it was quite intimidating that one scripture would make me shout and the other one would make me cry. And I'm like, oh, my God. One scripture told me I'm going to heaven. The next one told me I'm going to hell. And I really didn't know what to do with it. But I, but I read it anyway. And then I would pray and go, what does this mean? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started talking to me out of the Bible. And it became one of the most powerful things. I'll tell you the first one other than the day in the truck. I was reading in the book of Revelation, and it says the Lamb at the throne. And I didn't know that was Jesus. And I was reading it, and the Holy Ghost went, that's Jesus. And I went, whoa. And the Holy Ghost started talking to me as I was reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, the book came alive. It was so cool. And today, I still read it, and the Holy Ghost talks to me and gives me insight. Now, he wrote it. He ought to know what it says. But, it, but if you're not going to, so you can't ride a bicycle unless you push the pedal and start. You're going to have to push it. So Psalm 119, let me read this, um, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The, in the time we're living in right now, you're going to have to have this out. And you're going to have to have, now I don't mean that you need to read it like a novel. There are scriptures I read all the time. And I said this in school last night, and I want to say it to y'all. I will read truth, and I'll get excited about it Monday and I've lost it by Wednesday. It's not real to me. And I mean, I, I could read on who I am in Christ and get all excited. But I mean, I got to pick up that scripture and read it again. And I have found out that I don't, the Bible never became real to me until I started saying it out loud, even though my soul told me I didn't believe it. Can I say that again? Does that? When I first started reading, you are complete in him, I would say, the Bible says I'm complete. My soul said, not true. And I'd say it again. It might take me a month or two of reading a scripture before that scripture becomes real to me. You don't want to read and go, I read that. I read that book. I read that book right there. Well, I don't read whole books all the way through. I read and mark them with these yellow and green and blue highlighters and the stuff in there that feeds me. Then I go back and read that because I don't have time to read this whole book again. I don't want all the stories. I just want the good stuff out of it. I want the, I want the cream out of the middle of this cookie. You know, I want this thing. So I'll go back and read the stuff that lit up my spirit, man. When I read, I went, oh, God, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Or, or I went, I got to know that. I got to know that. I got to know that. And I'll read that. I had one book, The Authority of the Believer by John A. McMillan. I carried it with me like a Bible for a year. 
until that book became real to me. It wasn't, I loved the book, but I would lose the victory in a day or two from, quickly. Does that make sense? Okay, so the, the Word of God is a lamp to your feet, but it isn't doing you any good on your coffee table. Okay? Now, we're going to have to get back to being Word people. There's so much deception that unless the Holy Ghost is talking to you, you're going to be messed up. All right, let's go to another one. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Oh, i got plenty of time. All right. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Go over there. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. How often? Always. Say it again. Always. always. Now, when you and I are praying, and what we, you've got to have scriptures like this that you've got marked in your Bible. And this is one of those scriptures that I may read every day. Sometimes I might read it 10 or 15 or 20 times in a day. I'll open up and go, thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God always leads me in triumph in Christ. And a lot of the sermons you hear me preach where I'm quoting scriptures, I'm not learning those scriptures when I'm preaching. I'm learning those scriptures when I'm going through hell, where I'm quoting them constantly until those scriptures become my scriptures. Does that make sense? And a lot of times the Bible is not real until you confess it. So Mark Hankins says this. He said it was written so it was spoken so it could be written, and it was written so you could speak it. So speaking it is where the life comes from in that scripture. Saying it out loud where your ear can hear it. All right. Now we're talking about living in the last day. This is very important. Proverbs 28 13. Go there now. We're going to change again. Number four. Let me wait till I get there because I want to read it. I don't want to, I don't want to say it. Number four, very, very important. Always be quick to repent. Twenty-eight thirteen. He who covers his sin will not prosper. And whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. In, in your life, especially in the time right now, you, you can't afford to go, boy, i got to hurry up and get back to church next Sunday and get right with God. No, you don't have that kind of time. I mean, the moment you do it wrong and the Holy Ghost says something, you go, oh, you're right. Oh, God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And don't get in condemnation. If you fly an airplane, you're going to do corrections all the time because winds are always changing. You may be heading to Miami. You're not flying 180. You might be flying 170 because you've got a wind off your left wing. And you may get down over um, Port St. Lucie and the winds start coming out of the west and you may have to turn to 190. You need to understand about your life, our life on this earth. You, you can't just have a Sunday morning, uh, I'm heading this direction, that's the last time you talk to God. <clears throat> when you miss it, deal with it. The faster you deal with it. I mean, the minute you're in a fight with your spouse, and she misses it, she needs to repent. Okay, I'll say that again another way. The minute that I'm talking to Lisa and I missed it, I need to stop and go, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And then, and drop it and leave it to go. Don't, don't, don't leave things for, 
I'll repent in three days. Don't do that kind of stuff. You're going to miss a lot of meals. Before, you know. No, not really. But, but I found people, are, they, they don't seem to, they, they just don't seem to be real quick to repent. The, the faster you repent, the faster your faith will work. If you're quick to repent, you will be quick to believe. If you're slow to repent, you will be slow to believe. Don't set that up. Always make sure that whatever you do, if you missed it, so let me read it again. He who covers this sin will not prosper. When you're wrong, come on, pride. Let's talk about pride here a minute. If I were to say to you, I think you have pride. Your reaction is, I don't have any. That is the first indicator that I have that you have pride. Because when you look at a person who does not have pride and you say, I see some pride, and they're humble, they'll go, where? Because they want to fix it. And so how many of y'all, when I said you got pride, went, I'm me. It was you. It's always you. But it's amazing, and I've got family members, I've never heard the word, I'm sorry, I was wrong, in 40 years. Isn't that amazing? Folks, be quick to walk up to someone and go, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. Get it under get it the blood and move on. Um, you, you can't afford to walk around in darkness for a minute. Okay. And we, and sometimes we may need to talk about this a little bit more because so many people think that because I'm born again, I don't need to repent when you sin. Yeah, you do. You know, a lot of those pop-ups in people's faces, that's God. I didn't like what you said. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell you something else that's hard. Going to them and saying you're sorry. You can go, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, son, I told you to go talk to them. I'll bring it up in prayer next week. No, that's gossip. You go talk to them. That'll take a pound of pride off of you real quick. I'll tell you one Sunday, and I've had to do this several times. I hate it. I hate apologizing to this whole church. I hate it. And I've had a few Sundays. I don't do it anymore because if you hate it bad enough, you'll stop. But I remembered one Sunday I got up and some people in this church, we were in the shopping center over there, and they, they said some stuff that was really not right. And I told every one of them off. I told him it had to do with money. And I called everybody in the church a crook. I said, yeah, everybody in this church is a crook. (laughs) And it probably was true, except for Betty. (laughs) Melanie was too young to be crooked. But I honestly, and, and so the next day, I wrestled in my soul for days. And I justified myself. But it wouldn't leave me. Until I finally went, are you asking me to apologize? <laughs> that would take humility. 
I hated Sunday morning. When it came, it was not like Christmas. And I got dressed slowly. And I did. I got up and I said, I owe this church an apology. And they all went, yeah, you do. <laughs> you don't do those things. If, you, if you'll choke up and you'll, if you'll suck it up, you'll quit doing some stupid stuff. Amen. Amen. I'm trying not to look at Zach too much. I really am not. But I love picking on him. All right, number five. Maintain strong relationships with spiritually strong people. I cannot stress this enough. Guys, listen. You are not an island. I, I want to tell you, one of the best days, one of the best things I ever did was to go to one of Mark Hankins' meetings and find a company of people that I can get around that strengthened me. I pastored this church alone. And I'm going to tell you that's deadly. It's very deadly. You need people in your life that can correct you, strengthen you, and lift you up. And I've had times when I'm riding down the road with Mark in a truck, and he would say something that would just lift me up and say something lift me up. And I've had a couple times he looked at me and said, you did something the other day. Don't do that again. I went, okay. You need it. But you're going to need people now. When God gave you a church, and some people haven't, you don't understand what he's doing. He puts you with a family. And I'm not talking about your three friends. I'm talking about the whole church. More than three people in a church. One of the greatest gifts he gave you is relationships. And uh, I want you to, and Mark has a, has a meeting he, we go to called Supernatural Relationships. And I want to tell you, something that Lisa and I do when we go out. We do go out and listen to Mark preach, and we do go out in and, and the worship service, but one of the best things that we do out there is at the end of every meeting, they all go into the gymnasium, and they sit around, and they have dinner together. And Lisa and I have made some of the best friends we've ever had in our entire life, sitting down at a table and meeting people we never knew before that later on we're able to get on the phone with, connect with, do things with, and it, and it strengthens us to do our job. Lisa, I'm just going to tell her the story right now, and I, don't, I hope she doesn't mind. But Lisa was praying one time. She said, Lord, I really need some good friends. And, and Dr. Varallo came to this church, and she, Lisa picked her up at the airport. And she said, let's go to the movies. And Lisa's like, you want to go to the movies with a prophet? And she said, yeah, I want to go. She wanted to go see, um, what was it, iRobot. And Lisa and Mary Fran began to befriend Lisa and, and just became very good friends with Lisa. And so much so that we've been out to her house a few times. And, and those relationships to us are very, very dear. They're precious. They're worth it to drive to Nashville to, to have dinner. They're worth it to go. And I want you to cherish the people that God has put in your life that love you like you are. Yeah. And, and you, don't, you don't take that for granted. And you, and you hold dear to these, these people and buy them something real special for Christmas. Okay, let me read this. Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. I want to... Is this helping y'all? Uh, and I may be... I, I, I don't think you're going to remember all that I've put out on my list, but I think you'll remember some of this. Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, 
Where there is no counsel, people fall. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Okay, let's look at another one, Proverbs 24, 6. For by his wise counsel, you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. He did it again. Now, let me make a statement to you about people. You may not get to pick the ones God sends you. Um, I had a pastor, and I won't mention his name this time. I did everything in my power to meet him. I, I invited him to lunch. He didn't come. Went to his church. He wasn't there. At the end of the month, I never saw his face one time in everything I did. And I went to the Lord and I said, what is it with this guy? And the Lord said, I don't want you to know him. And I don't want him to know you. And he told me why. He said, his ministry is different than yours. And I don't want you to follow his style. It'll corrupt what I'm doing in you. I will send you the men I want you to be close to. That was a very powerful word from God. So I've had people that I try to get close to. Don't get offended if it doesn't happen. It may not be as a... When you start learning ministers and peoples, when the real them shines, you're going to have to be a friend. Because you're going to learn things about people that God uses mightily <laughs> that everybody doesn't need to know. And, you, and if you're carnal, you're going to get disappointed. We're just people. But you're, our, mine and Lisa's friends have to, have to see the gift of God in us and overlook the stupids. And there's at least one or two. Not many, but they're small in me. I love to pick on Lisa. She, everybody, everybody knows I'm, I'm lying. Okay, one more. And I went over this already. Number six, remember the Great Commission. Whatever you do right now, don't neglect the lost. Don't do it. And I, and I'm, I was going to quote the scripture, and I already showed it to you. You remember when the madman of Gadara, everybody avoided him but Jesus? There are people you need to meet them. And people at work, especially the ones you don't like, and they're jerks, they need Jesus. So let's go back to the atheist. This is my third time of seeing her in the doctor's office. This is the first non-threatening conversation we've had out of three the last two times, she was a jerk. And I just started praying for her because I'm not looking at her as being a jerk. I'm looking at her being she's lost and she needs Jesus. She's so ignorant. She needs Jesus. And so I cranked up the agape. And I, when, I, when she came in the room this time, I showed her great respect. And I spoke very kindly to her. Until I got her to open the door and let me talk to her about Jesus. Right. Now, 
you, you and I are going to have to look around because there's people that, that God loves and you work with them and you know them and, and don't neglect that God may put you in their life. Now, I want to give you a story real quick. You remember the Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ? That was a multitude. But then later, the Holy Ghost brought him down to one man in a chariot. Don't neglect your conversations with the one. Because that may be very, very important to God. There are people who are ready, and God will bring them to you. And you just sit and share. And let me tell you, the greater one in you is big enough. You are well equipped to talk to people. And, and, I wanna, and I'm going to tell you this story one more time, and I know you, many of you have heard it many times. But when I worked construction, they put me on an all-black crew. That means everybody I worked with was African-American but me. That meant that I was going to pay for every boat ride over. In other words, not really, but they really made my life difficult because I'm a white, where am I going? And, and who's going who's gonna to believe it when I say they're hurting my feelings? All right. Well, I'm working with these guys for three years. And at first, it, they were brutal. They would, they'd, they'd throw mud on my boots and not the mud board. They'd, do all, they'd steal my, my coat. There was all kind of things they did to me. But I'm working with these guys. And every day at lunch, we're sitting around eating lunch, a bunch of concrete blocks, and somehow or another Jesus comes up. And for the first year, it, it was not nice. They wanted to know how many white robes I had in my bedroom and all. They, they all there was... The things people talk about when they're not in churches will blow your mind. But I remember, and I still told you the story, I remember the day that I pulled up a concrete block and I'm sitting down and I'm eating and Omar Walker looked at me and said, what do you have? I said, well, you know, and I thought he was making another slur. I said, what do you mean what I have? He said, Morgan, I don't know what you got. He said, but we give you hell. I said, yes, you do. He said, you have something and I want it. And I realized he was being very serious with me. He said, um, I said, why don't you come to dinner? And he goes, in a popcorn at night? <laughs> I said, Omar, come to dinner. And I told Lisa when I got home, I said, Omar's coming to dinner. He came over and had dinner with us, sat down and got him right with God, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. Folks, don't throw people away. You may work with some pretty rough people. But God loves them, and you're going to have to have enough skin that you know they're not going to harm you. And, and if they, they don't like you, it's okay. Are you all okay? I think that, you know, I went down a list tonight of things, but I just want you to do something. I think that we're headed into a tough time, and I just want you ready. I don't want you to think it's going to be as usual. So I'm going to read the RIV 3 through 7 the whole thing now. Are y'all ready? Oh, I'm past time. I'm going to go ahead. You emphatically and strategically need to know with unquestionable certainty that the very last end of days, that we are in the very end of days. When time is sailed to the last port and no more time remains for the journey, that last season will stand in the midst of uncontrollable, unprecedented, hurtful, treacherous, menacing times that will be emotionally difficult for people to bear. Men will be self-focused, self-centered, self-absorbed, self-consumed, and in love with themselves more than anything else. 
as a result of self-love, they will be driven to obtain more and more and more. Where do they think they're taking it? Okay. These boasters are so committed to their own agenda, they'll be willing to exaggerate, overstate facts, stretch truth, embellish the story, and even lie if it'll get them a position, advantage, or a goal they desire. They're arrogant, haughty, impotent, snooty, and insolent. They disdain, mock, slander, and speak ill of anyone who stands in their way of ideology, and freely they use foul language. In this climate, parents will no longer be able to persuade, control, lead, or exercise authority even over their own children. And although people were once thankful and appreciative, they will generally become void of gratitude and be unappreciative of anything. Impurity will seep into society and cause it to become impure, ill-mannered, unclean, indecent, coarse, coarse, vulgar, offensive, crude, lewd, and rude. Sounds like a Disney movie, don't it? Love for and commitment to family will degenerate. Divorce will become epidemic. Irreconcilable differences will become a major factor in tearing families apart. In fact, every imaginable type of covenant will be regularly violated, and the court system will be overwhelmed as people go overboard, suing and being sued. People will generally lose the ability to say no and will be unable to control their instincts in nearly every area of their life. People will become savage and eventually feel there's no laws to protect the innocent. Boy, does that sound like right now? Um, they turn and loose bad people out of prison that were there for life for the electric chair. Are you serious? People will find it easy to walk away from commitments and easily throw away relationships. They'll become reckless, impulsive, and known for enjoyment of violence. That sounds like TV, y'all. They will become full of pride, inflated with a sense of their own self-importance to the extent that it may end up feeling like society has been hit by a typhoon. However, these menacing winds will change, will eventually blow out like a storm that comes and goes. Meanwhile, people will become fixated on the unobtainable pursuit of happiness and pleasure even more than they love God. You need to watch that. Although they may possess an outward form of being religious, they will rebuff, refute, refuse, and reject authentic power that goes along with genuine godliness. I urgently tell you to be mentally, spiritually, and physically turn away and remove yourself from such people as this. These sorts of people project themselves as help with the intention of gaining access into your homes and manipulate you, especially targeting sincere women who feel overwhelmed by frustration and disappointing failure in life, whom the manipulators will find easy to influence because they have so many unmet longings. These women will, in, will endlessly doing their best to gain insight will be needed to help to navigate life, but permanently unable to come to the right conclusions based on truth. That's a powerful thing for, for God to put in your Bible. And I said that, and I'm going to say this one more time, and I want to close now. I only want you to start thinking seriously about the time you're in and what it is you need to be doing to stay spiritually fit. The, the way we've been doing it, do -do 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 the promise box, I don't think it's going to work now. Right. Amen? I want to see a, a church, and I believe we'll see it before Jesus returns, where people are on fire for God and they love God. And I want to see people walking on Sunday morning ready for church, loving church, worshiping God, ready to hear the Word of God, being doers of the Word of God. And I, I believe, if you'll agree with me, we will see it. I think that people will start looking around and realize that without their walk with God, there isn't any hope. 
And I want you to get to the place where your faith is so in God that you're in love with him and nothing shakes you up. Amen? So let me pray. Father, I've, I've preached, I preached tonight a, a message that I, I really feel strong about this passage. And I really think that you're speaking to us right now. I think this is a right now scripture for us. And I want, Father, I want us to walk out of here tonight with this on our mind, that these are tough times. And we might need to make some adjustments in the way we're handling life right now. Maybe turn the phone off some. Maybe pray a little more. Maybe pick up our Bibles. Maybe share Jesus a little more than we're doing. And I pray that this church would become a lighthouse for people in this community to come in and find Jesus and find life, find eternal life, be filled with the Holy Ghost, be introduced to the Word of God, find peace and find joy. And I pray that the people of this church will find out that there's only one source of that, and it's in your Word. And they're not going to find it in the world anymore. The world has nothing to offer us any longer. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for the people here tonight. And I ask you to bless them as they go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great night. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.